I've already pinned a bunch of guys' questions. So you guys were chatting before I got here. That's always great. I appreciate that. Guys saying hi to each other, which is always great. It's I think a lot of you, like me, kind of look forward to seeing what's going to go on. All right. Miguel says, what are your thoughts on Wolf Guitars? I have never tried Wolf Guitars. You know, Wolf Guitars and Firefly, which I think might actually be connected as a brand. I'm just guessing are one of the two, one of the two, those are the two brands that I left off my, my, my list, guitar list, and I have another list coming out soon, and they're off that list too, and it's because, like I said in the list, it's a familiar thing. I've never played them, mostly because they didn't exist uh, when we had the store. Uh, I haven't had anybody bring me in any for repair. I've maybe seen one Firefly. I've never even physically seen a Wolf guitar. I know Guitar Max has reviewed them. That's my only, only interaction with them is I've seen him talk about them. Um, so I've never, I've never tried one. So I can't give you any feedback at all. So that's what sucks. All right. AP says, no, literally his name is AP says, not AP. And then I'm saying he's saying this or they're saying this. AP says, what does GNL do better than Fender and vice versa? Oh, that's a good, great question better, right? That's tough. What does GNL do better? Well, they offer way more options than Fender. In fact, what GNL would do, first of all, here's the confusion about GNL. GNL guitars, USA made guitars. Let's start with USA ones. We're going to stay with that because GNL tribute is like a standard GNL guitar. You're buying custom shop Fender. And here's why I say that. If you go, which I have been to the GNL facility, you will see it's very small, very small, select group of people with a lot of hands on. In fact, their, their shop their Gino's factory looks like Fender's custom shop for the most part to me. Um, and they probably produce less guitars than Fender's custom shop. Again, I'm speculating, um, but not far off. I know I can't be that far off. In fact, I'm pretty sure GNL makes less guitars than PRS makes private stocks. And that kind of, that might be close to being far off, but close again. But my point is, is that the problem I have with GNL and Fender when you compare them is, is that GNL offers you uh, so much stuff. Like if you can get a GNL in like, I don't think six different neck options. Okay. And this is what's confusing. And I told GNL this, I said, it's confusing. People go to guitar stores and they see a GNL and it's, you know, $1,600. And you're thinking, okay, we, it, what colors comes in? Well, it comes in every color. It's like 30 colors, six different neck profiles, four different uh, fretboards, materials, three different fretboards are uh, fret sizes, three different bridges, six different pickup options, two different sets of tuning keys options. So it's a very customer inter inter interchangeable guitar. As far as quality, if we're now talking about quality, Quality. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily so much superior quality. I've heard that many times from people. It's superior quality. Uh, what I will tell you is this: uh, Fender is definitely when Fender guitars are right, they are amazing. But a lot of times they're not right because they're mass produced in a high volume. So I understand some people. My friends, I have two friends that bought two high-end Fenders this week, and both are having ironically problems with either. But I think both got solved. But you know, little issues. Uh, so. So that's that's the thing with a GNL. To me, I compare GNL to a custom shop vendor. If you were thinking about buying a custom, well, here's what I can tell you. As a person who has a GNL, actually two GNLs, and a custom shop vendor, I would gladly rebuy a GNL over a custom shop vendor many times over. And I'm even talking about for the same dollar amount. And when I say same dollar amount, I understand GNL's resale value sucks and the Fender's resale value is good, but I'm talking about literally owning the guitar, not reselling it for profit. Owning guitar, I would rather I would rather buy a GNL than a custom shop vendor. That's just my uh, that's just my experience. The, the you know, um, there you go. Uh, you think of it this way: out of all these guitars, if you came in this room, 
I could guarantee you that seven out of 10 of you, after you played all these guitars in my room, if you came over here and you plugged in my amps and stuff, the GNL, the uh, Margarita Lime, that is the number one guitar in this room and of my guitars, period, that my friends say sounds amazing. They constantly go, man, it sounds great. It sounds like a Les Paul, but it plays like a Strat and it looks like a Tele. It's a very great combination guitar. Um, Okay, I know I have super chats and I know we're on time, but let me grab some non super chats, man. There's a lot of people here, 881 of us in there. Um, uh, uh, somebody's mentioned, <laughs> hold on, somebody was talking about the cheese again. Because uh, the, uh, the, the cheese that I referenced, somebody said I can't believe it was intact. It came in a box with uh, ice packs. So, and it was overnighted from uh, Beverly Hills. I don't know how I say it like that, maybe because it's Beverly Hills, like the Beverly Hillbillies, right? Uh, Rain, Rain says, Hey Phil, what's your thoughts on the Reverend East Cider? My, my experience with Reverend is very limited. Uh, I, you know, I, I have, I have a viewer and I forget his name right now and I feel horrible, but he's constantly bringing up that I don't talk about, e, uh, uh, Reverend and it's honest to goodness. It's because, like I said, there's no dealers for it, for me to try it. Uh, they, um, they don't send out product for review. Uh, at least they, you know, when I talked to the owner, he wasn't interested. Um, uh, that, that's the end of that. <laughs> so I have to buy one and they're like 1200 bucks and I'm not really in the market for one a lot of times. So, uh, maybe, maybe one day, you know what I mean? Uh, I'll buy one. Uh, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've asked around, in fact, you know, uh, in fact, I, you know, so like I said, that's the thing. Uh, so I haven't tried one, but I try. I checked them out at the NAM show. I checked out, they were on the racks and it didn't look like we should touch them. So I took footage of them and talked about them, but I still haven't played them. That's, that's the only thing I, uh, they're made in Korea. I think they're made in the mirror factory. They're not made at world. So you guys know they're made at the mirror and I'm pretty sure I'm right on that and uh, very good stuff. However, I have played fret King and that's Trev Wilkinson's brand. And it's very revenant reverend esque. And it's also made at the mirror factory and it's a little less money, but it's a lot less known brand of course. And those are fantastic. So I could extrapolate from that, that, you know, the reverends are great because they're made in the same factory, probably the same way. And if I could pick, I'd probably pick the Reverend over the Fret King by brand recognition or something or looks because the Fret King looked cool, but it didn't look as cool as the Reverends. Some of the Reverends. So, you know, I like a lot of players. When I look at the Reverends, I think, man, that's a, that's a beautiful guitar. It's sick. It's great. So. Uh, what else? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. And like I said, question marks first if you want to ask me a question. Uh, hold on. Oh, uh, good old dude says, Hey, Phil, could you create a link listing of your favorite reverb mom and pop sellers? Thanks. Stay safe. Yeah. Um, I could probably figure out how to do that and publish that. There's probably a way to do that. I do track them. I don't know if you guys do this or even if you know this on reverb it, on reverb, you can track sellers. I do. Whenever I have a great experience with a seller, I always put them in my little like thing where it tracks them. Um, and you can actually, so, you know, on reverb, you can, it's horrible to tell you guys this, because if you don't know about this, it's going to make you guys, uh, it's going to make, it's going to make your life great and horrible at the same time. Uh, you can not only track uh, sellers. So I want to seller list something and it tells you because notifications, there's notifications. 
You can do products too. Like you can say, hey, if you list this, let me know. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of notifications you can uh, set up in, in uh, Reverb and then all kinds of things you can save. And like I said, so list of sellers. I've had uh, a lot of great experiences on Reverb um, with sellers. Um, to be honest with you, in my in my personal experience with Reverb and sellers as a whole, especially professional sellers, the mom and pops, the only negative experiences I could say I had most of the time, it was really a failure of me to ask questions, which is always a good, which is why, which is why I try to always answer questions. And, uh, I, I, I ask questions. I mean, answer them. I ask questions. I ask a lot of questions before I buy on reverb a lot of times, um, which I know is sometimes frustrating to the seller, but it's, I'm trying to guarantee a good experience for both of us. You know what I mean? Um, I like to pull that trigger. Um, I'm really horrible at, um, if I don't like something, I'm really horrible at sending it back. Most of the time I just eat it. And um, my wife really does not like that. <laughs> it's not a quality she really enjoys about me. Right now I have a couple pairs of van shoes that I don't uh, didn't fit. And um, I'm supposed to take them back and it's I don't think they're ever going back. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, you know, I'm just, you know, maybe I'm lazy or I just don't want to do it. So like I said, so I try to make those purchases stick because it's really kind of not fun uh, for me to, to uh, email people and kind of, you know, and not to mention 90% of the time, if I send something back, I always exchange it for something. And then it's tough. Cause I feel like I was, I end up with the weirdest things. Um, okay. Uh, Hold on. I know I got a super chat. Hold on, guys. I'm trying to find some non-ones real quick. Huh. Uh. Oh, you know what? Hold on. I have, I have, okay. I have some pinned non-super chats. So here's one that was earlier uh, and it was from Andre. Andre says, hey, uh, says, hi. Why don't humbucker plastic covers cover the sides like single coils do? And why don't single coils have adjustable pole pieces or screws like humbuckers? And the answer would be, first of all, um, the reason most humbuckers or humbuckers as a whole don't have the sides of the bobbins covered, because that's what you're talking about. They have a, 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 a the top and then no uh, cover, no, no plastic around the sides is because originally humbuckers had covers. They were the chrome covers or nickel covers that you normally see. And people started pulling them off. And that's why the pickups were zebra colored because the, the manufacturers made them cream and black for the most part, especially Gibsons and stuff. So um, essentially, if you look at a humbucker and it looks like, man, that looks like a very unfinished looking product, it's because it is. It was meant to be hidden under the chrome cover uh, is the main reasoning. Now, the question, the second question is why don't they have adjustable pull pieces on single coils? It's because most single coils are going to be uh, Alnico uh, 2 or Alnico 5. And the, the actual slugs, the little pieces of steel, the metal that you see, the steel slugs that you see, that's the magnet. Um, where a lot of times when you, well, not a lot of times, when you see the Allen hex screws or the flathead screws on a guitar uh, pickup, they are touching a magnet underneath. Uh, they are a metal screw touching a magnet. So they are not the magnet themselves. And that's why they can be adjustable. There is adjustable uh, single coil pickups with those, but the magnet would be underneath. And, and there you go. And, um, and somebody out there, I, you know, that loves pickups like me is going to be like, well, technically there's so all again, I'm just keeping it down to the, to the five second answer. So that's the answer to your question. Why they're like that. Uh, yeah, they're easy, but a good question. Cause I understand. Um, 
Overdrive Guitar Channel says, new guitar YouTuber advice. In other words, starting a channel. Uh, yeah, easy. So Over Overdrive Channel, you know, and again, uh, you have to understand that like a lot of channels, there are a few channels that I've talked to. I think Guitar Samurai is one, Steve at Guitar Samurai, Tyler from Music is Win. Uh, these channels, uh, these were these were guys who were smart enough to go, hey, I'm going to create a YouTube channel and this is how I'm going to build it and build a platform. So I want to just preface by saying, I'm just some guy who literally like took my cell phone and started making videos uh, literally had no idea what I'm doing and I'm just started been learning it on a curve ever since. So uh, take that advice for, for what it's worth first. So what I want to tell you is this, what I can tell you I'll, I'll tribute my successes to. Um, if you're a new guitar channel, here's what I would tell you to do. Focus 100% on the content. Now, some of this information I'm going to give you Overdrive Guitar Channel is not only the things that I did right, but these are the things I did wrong and I probably won't kind of go into each one, which one was which, but at least it'll be the things that I learned from the positive and negatives. Uh, focus on your content, 100%. Make the content worth it. Here's why. Because you'll never be able to predict ever, no one, when the video goes viral, what video gets the 1,000 views versus 200 views, the 10,000 views versus 1,000 views. You won't be able to figure that out. Uh, you you can try. Maybe there's some magic ball out there. Maybe somebody's smarter than, than, than me, of course, but I'm telling you, you have inklings, you have thoughts, but here's why I can tell you. For every video that I was like, I know this is going to be huge, and it was. There was a video that I was like, I know this is going to be huge, and it wasn't. So I don't know if I'm betting a 50-50 average. Probably maybe better than that, but not much. So work on the content because you never know which one's going to be the one that hits and resonates with the audience. And here's why this is important. The one that hits and resonates with the audience, they're going to expect you to do that one over and over again. So... If you want to do uh, like, hey, here's, uh, you know, if you want to do a comparison video and it was really hard and you really didn't enjoy it, but you put it out anyways, and that's the one they like, well, you're like, well, okay, now I'll do the regular videos. They're not going to like that and they're not going to watch it. They're going to watch only what they like. Uh, no matter how cool or how fun or how much they like your personality, if you do not talk about the thing they give a crap about, they're not dialing in. So there is a little bit of that. So focus on what you like, because what I will tell you is very few channels that in the guitar community will ever see enough money or revenue or success that it's worth either A, selling your soul or B, selling out your uh, the joy that you get from this. If you're not getting joy from this, you're screwed because the best part of this gig is you get to have fun and make a little scratch and have, you know what I mean, do a little, do well a little bit, you know what I mean, some gear and stuff. So th that's the advice uh, starting out. Focus on that stuff. Um, and that's easy to do. That's, you know, it's easy to think. Don't focus on like, okay, I got a 4K camera. Like I said, focus on the content, uh, how you deliver stuff. Um, something I'm still working on constantly, you know what I mean? Uh, um, my biggest problem constantly is I talk really fast. It's just how I talk. It has, it's my, and my cadence. Um, I've tried different things in videos. The I've even used a metronome to slow my cadence and it works. The problem is, is sometimes when I'm refilming and refilming, uh, it gets hard to remember that stuff. And I talk even faster after I've already talked about it. If I do four takes and you guys see me talking really fast, it's because not only do I talk fast, it's the fourth, fifth or 10th take of that. And I'm so bored with it that I'm just trying to get it out as fast as I can. So again, work on that stuff. Uh, and the other thing is it's free to upload. So make content, <laughs> right? If you have content, make it. Uh, that was another mistake I made. I, I worked, I worried about not, you know, I didn't, I worried about making great content all the time. And like I said, you try to make the best content you can, but also don't be afraid to make content because 
you know, why not? It's, the more you do, the more the best. And the last thing is, uh, uh, last piece of advice, and then I'll go on is, uh, don't be afraid to make any video. Uh, there are videos of course that I made. Now I have a luxury, which is I have patrons. So I can send them to patrons. If it's a little like, I don't know if the internet's ready for this, or I don't know if it's conveying the thing I thought. And maybe the patrons say, yes, they gave it a pass or they give it a fail and maybe it gets out to the public or maybe it doesn't. But the point is there's that. But what I can tell you is there's videos that I've learned to make them and then give them to your friends and let your friends say, Hey, yeah, that's great. You should do it. Or not. The other thing is don't trust the ones that go, yeah, look great. And they didn't give you any insight because they probably didn't watch it. And then next thing you know, everybody's like, you know, hey, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> um, let's see. Andy did this. Says, hey, Phil, started looking into wireless guitar systems. Do any? Do you have any favorites? You know, I don't use wireless at all. And the only one that I seem to even find interesting was the... Uh, the um, uh, line six one that had the recall. Now, if, uh, my understanding is the recall has been fixed and I haven't heard anything yet. So, I mean, I, I guess you could recommend that, but I'm only recommending because uh, a couple people I know play them and use them, but I don't use a wireless at all. Uh, I, I don't know why I, you know what? I've just never been a wireless person. Just never, never did it. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a cork sniffer like sound. Oh, it's not the sound of a cable. It's, it has nothing to do with that. It's just, you know what it is? I'm not interested to do any more steps than possible. So to me, it's already like plug this in, plug this in. That's two steps. Uh, the wireless unit is like plug this in, plug this in, turn this on, turn this on. That's just too many steps. Yeah, double the steps means it's just not fun for me. So that's the, my only logic. But um, I used to own a wireless. I, the, to give you an idea how old uh, uh, the last time I owned a wireless was, and I think it's the only wireless I've ever owned in my life was a Telex unit. And um, it was probably 95. <laughs> so I had a Telex unit in 95. I don't even know if Telex is still around. I remember when I bought it in the music store, <laughs> the, the guy, I'm like, I, I wanted an 80 because every rock star had an 80 at the time, which I think are now with the garbage ones, right? Uh, again, I don't know. I feel bad if it's not. But, uh, uh, and he walked in and he's like, we have Telex. I'm like, I never heard. It. He goes, the NFL uses Telex. I'm like, oh, the NFL. And then I bought it. And then it was later when I got home and I realized, what do I care about what the NFL uses? <laughs> but it worked. It worked fine. Um, let's see. Uh, beware. 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 I'm going to say beware. Be, yeah, where. Beware says, because uh, it's B, the letter B and then where, uh, says building ES335 kit. Wiring is a P, PETA. Okay. So if I finish, if finish goes well, we'll upgrade for build. Mojo kit. Okay. Stu Mac ES335 specific pickups, splittable with push, pushable bit bridge. <laughs> this is I'm messing this all up. Newbie, please help. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he's building an ES335 kit. So if the finish goes well, he'll upgrade for the build. The Mojo kit? Question mark. Stu Mac, no ES335 specific kit pickups. I really don't understand the question. I am super confused as what where the actual question in this is. You're telling me? Are you telling me that you're you're debating on the two kits? He says, you're, so uh, you're saying you're building it, so I don't know if you have it or if you're debating between the two manufacturers of Stumac versus Mojo kit. Um, I have no experience with the ES335 kit. I've never tried. All kits, uh, you know what it is? I, I, I really... I really, like I've said before, I'm not really huge into the kits, especially the, the lower price ones. Um, because I like, 
I don't like to frustrate myself. And sometimes some of those kits, you end up fixing more problems than you end up, you know, putting together. Uh, but that being said, uh, I'm not sure what the actual question is. Are you asking me what wiring should you use? So we're going to pin this one. I'm going to, I'm going to pin this one. Maybe I can come back to it next week. Uh, Enrico says, do you think Mojo? Okay. Or finding the one. So he's not talking about Mojo Tone. He's talking about Mojo like it has Mojo. Or finding one is an excuse for Gibson to slack on QC. Okay. That's an interesting take on this. Hold on. We're going to see where this goes. No other company requires a search for the one. Uh, so what he's saying is basically, uh, yes, when people say, you know, uh, they have a great Les Paul, they're like, it's always the one or the one of the bunch. You know what I mean? They found this magical one that sounds better. Uh, what's funny about that is here's where I will come at, at you with on this when it comes to Gibson and quality assurance. Um, if you, if, when I find that people are talking about two different things, so when people talk about Gibson's and quality assurance issues, like I found one that's good quality assurance, in other words, a good quality one, uh, where it doesn't have blemishes or defects or flaws. That to me is, is, I understand that they're looking for a good guitar, but when people generally players generally are talking about the mojo or the one less Paul, the sound, it's actually the it's not quality assurance issues. So, so let me give you an example of my Les Pauls. Um, I really like the one that sounds, uh, the one behind me, the, the stripe one, it sounds really good. It's heavy. And, um, but I couldn't say like, Oh man, the binding on that is extra, you know, not put together nice. And the finish doesn't have any orange peel in it. And it looks good. It's literally just, you know, it's just everything came together and it sounds pretty good or I prefer it. To, and, and think about how silly this is. When we say we love a guitar, we're, we're really silly saying silly things like maybe it has more mid range or less mid range or more treble or more bass than normal than you're normally like on a guitar like that. Um, so to me, I, I understand where you're going with this question, but to me, there's two different arguments. Finding a guitar that's the one or has mojo is really about connecting with it. It'll always be more of a, a you than it is the guitar, right? There's no quantifiable, like, let me give you an example. If I said, oh, this guitar I have has the mojo or the one, it's the one that has the tone. I could give it to at least 20 of you guys, and we would probably at least get 10 different answers about whether or not it had the mojo or not. So that's where it's different. So I don't think it's a QC thing. Now, when, when people are sometimes compa complaining about Gibson, they're complaining about QC. One of the things about Gibson, though, that gets hammered a little bit is, first of all, I, ne I, don't, I always ask, when did Gibson have great QC? You know what I mean? Quality assurance. We'll say quality assurance. So in other words, what I mean by is when people talk about Gibson has horrible quality assurance, do we know if it always had horrible quality assurance? Was there a time? Like, I don't hear, I don't hear older players saying back in the 63, every Gibson came out of the factory. Perfect. It's, they always have the same stories too. Oh, they've always been crappy. And what I think that always kind of goes to is they're expensive. And for the price, you kind of feel like you should get a better standard than you're getting is the logic. Um, I understand that feeling, but that's why I buy Gibson's used when I can, <laughs> right? That helps too. You know, cause I find that my love of a Gibson guitar is somehow connected to the price I paid for it. So for instance, where I would, if I was to pay three grand for a Gibson Les Paul, maybe I'd be like, man, look at this. Can you, I couldn't even get this part right. Where if I bought it at the right price, I'd be like, man, it's got the sound. <laughs> so I think there's a little bit of that in there. I could be wrong. I always interested to hear you guys' thoughts on certain things like this, because it's not a quantifiable thing. It's just in a, a feeling. Uh, is that L-I-L-I-X? L-I-L-I-X? 
Little 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 pig. I think it's little pig, but it looks like Licks Pig. Licks Pig. Some of you guys in your sign-ons. Licks Pig. From that just says that doesn't say from. Licks Pig says I have a Strat that has really bad buzzing on the low E string. Yeah, that's sometimes where Strats get it the worst. But it, but only if up picked. Oh yeah, that's another issue with guitars in general, not just Strats. Uh, I've been through everything. Any ideas? I have. I've had this horrible experience with customers and their guitars, where when they strum up, certain strings will uh, resonate and buzz, or have issues. Um, this is something that I have to admit that I've only been able to fix sometimes, and um, there's just sometimes there's just no way around it. Um, and what I mean by that is. Because it's not necessarily that the it has a high fret or the action is too low. It just has to do with the fact that when you hit the string at that, it's weird. It shouldn't matter. It's one of those things that I bet you if we, we really diagnose it, it shouldn't matter. If I hit the spring, uh, spring, the string going down or up, it shouldn't really matter. It's spinning. But sometimes the direction it's spinning makes a huge difference. And low E is definitely one. And G strings are definitely one on strats that I've seen many times. Um what what ends up always happening with this again i'm not looking at your guitar there could be a thousand little things that we could be adjusting uh you know maybe i'd find the fret if you if you showed it to me you know what i was looking at maybe i could find the fret that's causing the culp the problem maybe it's the way it's sitting in the nut there's a lot of things that you have to diagnose through that um i've said this i could tell you this one of the things i would do is i would raise the saddle on it to get the action a little high to see if it stopped and then try to see when I'm lowering the action, when it comes back, where, where, what it could be possibly hitting. Cause like I've said before, generally speaking, when you hear any kind of buzz, it's the string hitting something. It's usually hitting something. And most of the time it's going to be a fret cause there's not many things that it can hit. Um, the other thing you can do is adjust the pickup height on a strat. They're kind of notorious for that. There's a couple little things to do. So I would say to help you with this problem, if I was going to say diagnose it yourself, first um, check the pickup heights, make sure that they're set uh, correctly. That's easy to do. Uh, I, on a strat like that, you're going to be pretty much right up on the string if it's too high. You know what I mean? You got to get re really right up on the string with the, the strat pickups. Um, most strats, you know, are going to come stock with the pickup slanted so that the uh, the treble side of the pickups higher than the bass side. That's how Fender does it. And a lot of people, especially by used strats, think that that's some kind of a mistake. And maybe the guy that had the, the guitar before them just didn't know what they were doing and they, they fix them immediately and make them flush. But Fender, we, I'll tell you, out of the out of the box, a Fender Strat uh, majority comes with the pickups tilted. So like I said, the treble side's higher. So make sure that's adjusted. Do that first. Then, like I said, raise the saddle. See if that helps uh, uh, make the problem go away. Because again, you're don't when you're diagnosing a sound issue, don't worry about playability. Try to find the sound issue. Diagnose that. Find it. Then try to figure out how to make it sound. So in other words, once you get sound right, then try to figure out how to get the play right still sounding like that. And when you fight, follow that logic, you'll generally find the issue. Um, and uh, my guess, if it's that, if it's the issue, it could be the pickup. Not likely. A lot of people tell you it won't won't affect it or not. My my experience is very rarely does it affect it, but it is possible. I would say it's either going to be the way the nuts cut because it could have an issue with the nut for sure. Or it could be even the neck alignment. Sometimes that's a factor too. So check that as well. And that's not, when I'm saying neck alignment, I mean side to side from the treble to the bass side. Make sure the strings are aligned correctly. 
Um, Doug says, Marketplace Facebook has been okay for uh, lowering gear. Yeah, you know what? A lot of my friends use the uh, uh, Facebook Marketplace. My wife uses it for some stuff too. I've never used it. Heard good things. That's why I don't recommend it. It's not that I don't, uh, it's not good. I just never, I personally never use it. So I can't really say. But so you know, you're not the first person by any means to tell me they've had great luck there. In fact, really great luck. So that's another place to check things out. Actually, I, I think consistently you hear it's much better than Facebook. Um, I just haven't tried it. I don't even think I've ever seen it. I got to go on Facebook and look. I, I try to stay away from Facebook. It's funny how people villainize Facebook. And again, I don't, I'm not I'm not uh, not being political in any way. I'm just I want to make sure you know where I'm going with this. People always talk about how horrible Facebook is. My problem with Facebook for me is half my friends drive me nuts. Um, I think, uh, you know, it's like, it's like, I, I made this joke, uh, once, I don't know if it was to you guys or just to private friends, but I said, I've known friends 20 years and then found out they're crazy. Cause I saw their Facebook profile and I went, I never knew he was crazy. Look at him. He's crazy. Um, so what I mean by that is if I, it seems like, it seems like a great way to ruin my day is to go on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> just go on there. Somebody posts something that I didn't know about or want to know about. And then I go, oh man. And then you're in your head going, why did they post that? And again, I'm not talking about offensive things or even political things. People just post the weirdest things on Facebook. So, uh, so I just try to stay the heck away from it. Uh, I, in fact, I can tell you if, it, if, if I'm usually, if I'm not going on Facebook, uh, to post something for, for the channel, I'm usually not on Facebook very much, but, uh, I need to check it out. Cause again, it's really cool. Now on a positive note, one that will tell you what Facebook's great for is, uh, chatting with people. It's a great way to communicate with people through the messenger system. Uh, in fact, most of my business connections are through the messenger. So I have to do that, but I do that through an app on my phone, but I know it's connected somehow to Facebook. Uh, Frederick, uh, says, uh, uh, says 250 K pots or 500 K pots for a single coil size humbucker. Um, both you can use either or no problem. Most of the time, if I was going to tell you the manufacturers, if, uh, well, here's the deal. Uh, here's the rule I use. And again, I'll stick to the rule. I go with the majority rules philosophy, which is if you have two single coils, a humbucker use 250 K's, right? If you have two humbuckers and a single coil, go 500 K's. In other words, so whatever the majority, so go 500 K for humbuckers, 250 K for single coils. And if you have more single coils than humbuckers, Stick to the 250K, more humbuckers and single coils go 500K. There is an exception to that rule, and um, you can add a, uh, a, uh, uh, I think it's a resistor, right? It's like a 500K resistor. You can add a 500K resistor and put it in the switch and use 500K pots and then put your humbucker to that and then use a 500K resistor and wire that into your single coils, and that'll take it down to 250K. Um, there's a lot of wiring schematics like that. That'll do stuff like that. Um, here's the thing with that. I, I usually, to be honest with you, a lot of those wiring things that I've done, I do it for the channel so you guys could see it. But deep down, I'm just like me personally, I'm like, yeah, maybe it makes a difference. It's here. It's cool. It's a good conversation to talk about. And it's always nice to learn this stuff. But realistically, I could tell you this. If I had a, if I have a strat with a mini humbucker and two single coils, I'm just leaving stock fender 250 K pots in there or whatever pots are in there as long as they're good i don't go to 500k and also if you want to be super crazy super crazy <laughs> uh it has to be a strat though because it's a short shaft but fender actually makes a stackable 250k 500k potentiometer where you can actually assign each pickup uh the humbucker would go to 500k potentiometer volume pot and the single coils would go to 250 250k potentiometer uh and if you want to be like that and uh, fender wires that up i think the american professionals are now wired like that with that. 
There you go. Ta-da. All right. Uh, let's see. We got... Uh, Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Uh, Enrico says, how do you think Gibson will adapt once boomers are gone? You know, oh, this is great. This is a great, uh, great comment because there was a comment on a video of the day and I really thought it was interesting and it kind of reminds me of this. It says, they rely heavily on 50 and 60s nostalgia and have it adapted to the millennial Gen Z. Hey, what about Gen Xers? No, I'm just kidding. I think I'm Gen X, right? I think that's how it works. I'm pretty sure I'm a Generation X. Uh, as well as FMIC. What's FMIC? Oh, it's Fender. So in other words, uh, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. No, and so you know, they're not uh, Gibson. Let's not. So, so it's not a pick on Gibson episode. PRS, I think, is just as guilty as not being connected to any youth at all. Um, when I think, uh, look, I like PRS and I like Gibson, but yeah, when I think of PRS and Gibson, it, it, it's very like, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, here's how I know. I, I, I'm old and I feel young when I when I look at that stuff, right? Like I feel like I'm the younger into that spectrum of players that are that are uh, that are into those guitars. The interesting co comment that I want to connect to this was when I did the video the other day. I did the video called um, uh, 10 Issues with a, a U.S. Made Guitars," which, by the way, next week will be ten issues with import guitars. Fair enough, right? Um, Again, just my opinions worth whatever they're worth. Hey, they're worth nothing because you watch the videos for free. So, anyways, uh, uh, what my uh, somebody said in the video: What are boomer companies going to do when the boomers die? And I'm sure you know it was meant to be a little bit more trolly, or maybe it wasn't. But I love the comment. Here's why: Not because it was a, a troll comment, because again, that's a that's kind of the point of that video. Who are you appealing to and are you grabbing new market? And uh, yes, Gibson does. Look, they all do. They all rely on the nostalgia. Um, let me let me let me put it to you in a very, very plain way. And again, uh, like Paul Reed Smith, this is the 35th anniversary of Paul Reed Smith. And here's an observation of Paul Reed Smith guitars as a fan of Paul Reed Smith guitars. And when I say fan, I'm, I bought my PRS guitars. I love them. Right. Uh, you know, I, I buy them. Uh, so that tells you everything, right? I mean, any YouTuber can go, hey, I love it. They gave me one. We all been there on these channels. You know, we got a free guitar and it, you can go, yeah, the company's great, but you know, money talks and BS walks. My money bought PRS guitars. When I buy guitars, that's one of the guitars I buy. Um, so what I'm saying is this 35 years in the industry. One of the things I've always liked about Paul Smith guitars is I felt like Ibanez and other brands, he was innovator, right? He was like, I'm going to use graphite on the nut. Some player right now, some of you guys are like, no, it's, he's always been copies and crap, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is how I felt. I feel like PRS was an innovative company who basically made a guitar to appeal like a guy like me, someone who's really a fan of a Strat, but also a fan of a Les Paul. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to make something in the between. And I'm like, Hey, that's great. It's a Reese's peanut butter cup, right? It's peanut butter and chocolate in the same one. Now you look at the company, 35th anniversary, and if you look at something that I found as an interesting observation about the company, 30, 35 years of innovating, and on his anniversary, if you look, in my opinion, his most popular guitar is the John Mayer, which is a Strat with a lacquer body and a bone nut. And his second most popular guitar is the SE245, which is a Gibson-style guitar with lacquer, a bone nut, and plastic binding essentially, I don't know what that means, but it feels like after 35 years of designing and building guitars, all it really learned, all he may have learned is that Gibson and Fender had it right 60 years ago. So the reason I tell you that story is not to slam him, because again, I like those guitars and him. It's to really analyze this, what we're all talking about, which is the nostalgia is making people money. They're going to focus on it. So there's two arguments to be have here. One, 
nostalgia is selling things, so why innovate? Two, when that doesn't work on the millennials and the Gen Zs, what are you going to do? Well, there's another there's another idea, which is you can wait until that happens. Let's be let's be very clear. The majority of buyers look when companies reach out to me, smart companies, not all companies, but when smart companies reach out to me and probably other channels, the smart ones know to ask for my analytics. Okay, most companies reach out and go, "Hey Phil, would you talk about our guitar?" And you're like, "Yeah, of course, I'm a guitar whore." <laughs> right? <laughs> Sorry, say that guitar. I don't know what the guitar were, person. I'm a guitar person and I like guitars is what I'm trying to say. So yeah, of course, but smart companies, the first thing they'll say is they want to know what my analytics are. Analytics being my Google analytics saying, what's the average age of the viewer that's watching? Why? Because we know as any retail industry, as any industry knows, buyers are between a certain age, right? Kids buy gear, but let me let me put it this way. Who buys $3,000 guitars? People between 35 and 55. That's who buys the majority of the guitars. Now, so you know, so I don't get a crap later in the comments because I'm going to get it anyways from a guy who's 65 and he's like, I'm still buying $3,000 guitars, but you're not normal. Generally speaking, people play... People buy in the guitar market. This is known information for years and years and years. The majority of the buyers in certain price points are these buyers. What happens is as people get older and they start thinking about retirement, they start thinking maybe $3,000 guitar is not the best investment of their time and money. And sometimes they just go ahead and start going to less expensive guitars. It's true. Sometimes I think it's because in my experience selling guitars to people, some people burn out. You can only buy so many guitars for a while before you get like, okay, I've, I've experienced all the $3,000 guitars. And so, you know, so we're all on the same page. Insert whatever price point you think pertains to you. So you can buy all the $300 guitars, $1,000 guitars, $1,500 guitars, $10,000 guitars. I don't care what the number is. There's a number that connects to you. And then after so much time, you kind of burn out on that number. And then you start buying either more expensive because you think there's something better out there or less expensive because you felt that, you know, you can get more with less. My uh, So my point is, I think the industry will adapt to that is what it does. But I, so I, like I said, Mike, I guess my whole long tirade is, I don't think Gibson is isolated in this problem. I think there's a lot of companies. Um, when I think of a modern U.S. company right now in the U.S., now think about this. Outside the U.S., I can think 10 companies that I think appeal to Gen Z or millennials, if that matters. Okay. And here's how it is. We know Strandberg's on top of it. Uh, I think Ormsby, although small is on top of it. Mayonnaise, right? Uh, I think some of the European companies really seem to be in, in, and I don't mean the metal guys, right? It's not about being metal. It's not about, but youth is about rebellion and rebellion is about crazy. And you know what I mean? And, and so that's what I'm saying. When I think of a U.S. company nailing it right now, it's Kiesel. It's Kiesel, I think, is grabbing the younger market for the most part as a U.S. builder. Maybe Music Man next. And this is my opinion. And I'm an older guy, so I might be totally out of touch. <laughs> right? Sadly enough, if you're an older guy like me, you're probably just like me. So you should probably, like me, not say anything. We should listen to a younger guy. Uh, maybe I'll ask Agafish what he likes. Actually, look at Agafish's channel. It's a perfect example of what he likes. And he's in that he's in that age demographic. Um so yeah, so like I said, now does that mean I think all American companies should switch to that? No, I, I don't think so. I think there's, um, I think, I think like Gibson has learned when they try to innovate their guitars and failed, although those innovations were kind of really weird. Um, I think sometimes you should also be content and happy. Here's what I mean by that. Some companies get to live on their heritage forever, like maybe Harley Davidson and Gibson and Fender. So that's really cool. And they don't have to worry about 
innovating everything and coming up with something new every year and every 10 years. Maybe they just get to be who they are forever. I don't know. I'm really curious. I think we're all curious. We're all curious to see in 10 to 20 years if the next generation really does grab onto Gibsons and Strats and Fenders. I'm curious. Uh, I don't know. Uh, my guess is not so much. <laughs> that's, that's my guess. Uh, does that mean they go they go away? No. But uh, yeah, Bill says Agafish is a Harley Benton guy. Well, Agafish is a young guy, right? I mean, he looks like he's 16. No offense, Agafish. Uh, he looks like he's 16. I think he's 28. Who knows? He's probably 22. I don't know. I never asked him. Um, but here's what I do know. Uh, Harley Bentons are affordable guitars. Think about this. Harley Bentons are what people what, what people can afford, right? The, Harley Benton makes a great guitar that everybody can, not everybody, but most players can afford, which is what's great about it. So, of course, younger players are going to be really drawn to that too. Plus, a lot, of, a lot of it is they don't have the programming we have. Look, older players were programmed. We were programmed. I was programmed by Slash. Slash is cool, i.e., Buying a slash type guitar is cool. Eddie Van Halen is cool, <laughs> right? It's not like that. So, you know, some people are like, I'm not like that. I'm not saying everybody's like that, but there's a majority that's a little programming. Sometimes I wonder if I have all these guitars because CC DeVille had videos where he had all these guitars. And I don't even consider myself a Poison fan. I just wonder where it came from. Was it Billy Gibbons? Somewhere in, my, in this uh, uh, travel of mine, I decided having cool guitars is cool to me. So... Wing, wing, wing doll 56 says, uh, no apologies. I write Harleys and play fenders. Oh, absolutely. Ellen says, let's go with it. Ellen says millennials are notoriously cheap. Well, you know, the g generations are different. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, hippies were a, g a different group of people for sure. Right. Than the generation before them. So everybody's gonna be different. Um, Greg says, hey, look, we're going to go with this. Greg says, millennials are cheap because they don't have money. That's not entirely true, Greg. There's something interesting about millennials. And I say that because my son's a millennial. Um, and uh, and when watching him, I have learned that it's interesting. Uh, he, it doesn't matter if he's broke or not. It's he He's definitely a minimalist when it comes to what he wants and what he does with his money. Um, and so when I see a lot of millennials, I see them that way. They just not into buying as much stuff, which is bad for our industry. Let's just be honest, man. So, uh, but I think it all will work out. <laughs> I don't know how, but it will. John West. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're gonna have to hurry. John West says, if refretting a cheaper guitar, wait, is refretting a cheaper guitar to have stainless steel frets worth the hassle? I have an... ARZ 200 FM, and I'm trying to make it the best guitar I've ever had. Um, well, you're one. You're saying is refretting it ch to uh, cheaper guitar. You want to say to you, in other words, you're going to do the work. Having it done is tough because by the time you know most places are going to be pretty expensive for, for a stainless steel refret. Um, here's what I will tell you: if you, I've said this before, if you love the guitar. Then yeah, refret the guitar with stainless steel frets. It'll be just that guitar and it'll be better because uh, it'll have frets that won't wear out. If you think doing that will make you like the guitar because you don't like the guitar now, I would not recommend that. Don't do things to your guitar to make you like it because that's not usually what my experience has taught me 
when I see, especially customers doing mods and doing stuff for them, uh, it seems like they're like, oh, you know, if they add these pickups and they do all the stuff, then they'll like the guitar. It always ends up badly for them. Um, usually you always, you want to like the guitar already and then just make the guitar better because you, you know, improve it. So uh, that's what I would say. Um, stainless steel frets, although keep in mind, stainless steel frets, and again, this is a hard argument. People are always like, oh, they're expensive because of this or they're, it's overrated because of that. The reality is this, like I said, everybody knows it wears your files a little harder and it, uh, you know, it can wear on your tools a little harder. At, at most of the level that most of us are going to be refretting guitars, those factors don't apply. Okay. When you're talking about a thousand guitars, thousand guitars with stainless steel frets are going to wear through tooling faster and that tooling can add up to some costs. But, uh, you know, no, refretting a guitar with stainless steels make totally sense, especially if you're doing the work yourself. Stainless steel frets are cheap. I buy mine from Stu Mac and they're dirt cheap. For, for comparatively, they're not much more. I don't know what I paid for the last. I just bought some more stainless steel fret wire from uh, Stu Mac. And I usually buy about three two-foot pieces. Uh, will cover is more than enough than what I need. Uh, let's see. Um, Greg says, looking to buy my first electric since my Ibanez TM71 in 2005. Your thoughts on the Yamaha Revstar series, specifically, specifically looking at the uh, 502T. Um, I have not tried the Revstar. That is one of the guitars that is in my kind of like, I want to do a video on it. Um, I will, I made a, I made a promise to myself that within the next couple months, I will re review a, a Yamaha guitar. I don't know which one, cause I'm going to have to acquire it myself. You know what I mean? And get it. Um, but, uh, I don't know if the Red Star will be the one, but I've, like I said, I'm a fan of the Yamaha and so many of you guys are reaching out saying you bought Re Yamahas and you're loving them. Uh, and I've always liked the brand and the ones I've played have been great. So yeah, I think that's, so the, uh, let's get to the core of this. Is it an upgrade? It's an upgrade from what you have. You would get, be getting, in my opinion, a better guitar. Uh, and uh, I think you'd be happy with at least it and give it a try. JBN 12 says, how difficult is it to change robo tuners on a Gibson Les Paul to regular locking tuners? It's not hard at all. Um, robo tuners are, uh, are very easy to pull off those guitars. Um, the, uh, there's only a couple things you have to worry about. So one, uh, if your RoboTuner module has been on your guitar for a long time, now you're saying RoboTuners, I think you're talking about the G-Force system. If you're talking about the first year run of RoboTuners, uh, that's a slightly different, not much, but slightly different. But the G4 system works really great. The, you just unscrew all six nuts and then the, uh, the six uh, tuners will pop out. The module will pop off. Um, the only downside is if it's been on there for a long time, you'll have a square of discolored uh, finish where the, the, the module was, but no big deal. Um, Grover, Grover tuners, uh, hip shot tuners, any 10 millimeter shaft tuners will fit in there fine. However, there is no holes drilled, so you will need to drill holes, which is very easy because there's never been tuners in the guitar before. So here's what I would recommend. If you have a Gibson guitar with the G-Force Robo tuning system, it's super easy. What you do is you, uh, I have tons of videos showing you on my channel, plus Stu Mac has them and stuff. Everybody has them where, um, you know, showing you how to install tuning keys. Uh, just buy yourself some quality tuning keys because whatever Every ones you buy, you're going to have to drill the first holes and you want to make sure those are the only ones that ever go in the guitar. So it'll be great. Uh, in my experience, um, 
Uh, Grovers were great because that's what Gibson uses. I'm not a huge Grover tuner fan. I'm not against them. Just not a huge fan of them, but Gibson uses them. So it, it looks right. I'll tell you, that's part of a, a thing is if you put those on there, uh, Grover locking keys, uh, most people will never know that the guitar, the Gibson came with anything else. If you use hip shots or ratios or some of the other tuners I like, uh, Godos, uh, everybody will know those are aftermarket tuners. If that matters to you, it matters. If it doesn't, then I'm just giving you your options. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Okay. Uh, this is going to be the longest episode. The lo- episode is just getting longer and longer. Last week's episode was so long. I took it into, I cut it into two podcasts with two different endings and two different intros. Um, <laughs> some of you guys caught that. So I just thought it was easier to digest. Uh, Eddie, Eddie says you need a reason to drink. We can give you a reason to drink. Sadly, I cannot order some cheese and beer uh, for you via these super fill messages. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I don't need a reason to drink. Um, but, uh, may, yeah, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, Pete says, the more you know, the less likely you are to learn something new. A wise man appreciates that when it happens. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think they're right. Everything has a, a law of diminishing returns, right? How many things you can keep adding to your uh, to your knowledge base. But luckily, uh, luckily, I found I'm just every day is like a new day of, of learning stuff. Um, uh, it's it's strange. Uh, it's, it's strange how how much you can learn about guitars and still know nothing. Um, it's so weird. Uh, I always feel like I, I always feel like um, I'm going to get to a point where I'm a a little bit like feel more happy with the knowledge base. Never gets there. Uh, BK. Hey, BK. BK just did a super chat for no reason. Thank you. Thank you again. BK, uh, by the way, I loved, I hope you did too. I love Dovi Doss's video. Uh, if you guys, I'll put a link in it right now on the, on the link when I do the index, uh, Dovi Doss, as you guys said, I did a super, um, super, I did a, uh, sharpen my ax of a guitar that BK sent me to send to Dovi Doss and Dovi Doss did the video this week and guitar, 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 uh, is great. I had, I didn't know what that song was, but I loved it. I love watching it. I watched it two or three times. It's great. Uh, Jeff says, Hey, Phil, my super chats last week, beer night with Phil. What? Okay. Uh, let's see. It says, you know, your beers and gear next week. Oh yeah. And yes, on the deck with the beer and steak on the grill. Yeah. So basically what Jeff's talking about was, I was talking about doing the end of the month one with some, some beers and somebody was like a happy hour. That's going to happen. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I have that all worked out this week. And somebody, and Jose, what's up, Jose? Jose Benito Martinez Jr. says, uh, where's Ralph? We miss him. Ralph's on lockdown. It's COVID. I haven't seen Ralph physically uh, in two months, I think. Uh, seen him, I seen him, I seen him once. So, so you know, I seen him once or twice, maybe twice after the lockdown. Uh, which was at least a month after when I say there was lockdown and then like a couple months went by and then I saw him once or twice. Uh, and then we went on lockdown again. He's been, he lives on the other side of town and, um, he had a loved one get exposed to COVID and he luckily did not get COVID, but obviously he was on quarantine because he was exposed to, to, um, to someone who, who had it was confirmed having it. So that's a good, uh, I think I'm going to see him tomorrow. I think. <laughs> Again, it's a different times. Uh, but yeah, I would love them to do a, a show. So I might get them to do a pre-recorded show tomorrow. 
so you can guys have that. I just don't know if we can do live shows. I just don't know. Uh, Jay says, hey, Phil, what are your thoughts on vintage braided wire as opposed to modern four-way uh, humbuckers? Uh, is there any significant difference? Uh, well, yeah, of course, the four-way, uh, you're talking about the four-way uh, wire for humbuckers where you can coil split the pickups. Um, I'm not a huge coil split guy. It's like one of those things, like I'm like, you know, it's one of those options. You, you know, it's, it's fine to have it. I like having it, but I never use it. I find uh, constantly I'm never in love with the sound. It's always, it's always to me, a thinner, weirder sound than a single coil. And it doesn't have all the magic a single coil has. There's just something about it I don't love. And sometimes, and so you know, it's not all things are created equal. Some some single coil or, or coil splits are better than others. Some companies do it better. Some pickups do it better. Um, but I'm not huge on that. So I will tell you this. I usually, when I buy pickups, I don't buy pickups that have a uh, uh, four wires to do a uh, coil split. I usually buy the vintage uh, two uh, braided uh, wire. Now, I hate the braided wire because it's a pain in the ass to... to, to to do on certain wiring jobs. Some wiring jobs, so when he's talking about braided wire, there's a metal braiding and then the that's your ground and then you have cloth and then in the cloth is the is the uh, the hot, the, the the wire that's sending the signal. And one of the things that's nice about them is you can solder the braiding to a to the potentiometer and then just hook the uh, the um, the the other wire to the to the lug or wherever you're going to wire it. That's great. But sometimes when you're doing more intricate stuff, that stuff gets a little tricky to to get that braiding to to be a wire you need to ground out. Um, Lincoln says, are the new Epiphone Les Pauls worth it? Seems quality has gone way up. I've been eyeing a Les Paul with P90s thoughts. Yeah, um, I haven't tried them, but I did talk to L. John today. When I say talked, uh, L. John was very kind. He sent me a nice email saying he saw the live show and he saw us talking about him. And uh, he just wanted to say, hey, he's you know, a fan of the channel. And I've always, you know, he, I totally I made a comment that L. John is someone I respect and like. And he works at Gibson doing Epiphone. Some of you guys that are on the live shows, watch live shows on channels, see L. John's out there in the community. He's one of the guys out there who works with artists and YouTube channels, and he's actually engaged in trying to figure out and be part of these communities. And uh, he definitely deserves the respect for that because let's, you know, like I said, some, some companies, again, I, I'm not trying to slam companies, but some companies, they have, they're artist people that deal with YouTube channels. They just see it as, as, as marketing commercials. You know, they see you as an audience. They see me as someone who can present a product for sale to the audience. And look, I know it's part of the business. We Most of us are watching YouTube for free. Some of us are paying for YouTube, but most of us are watching for free. And if you watch free stuff, you're getting commercials. Just how it works. That's how we, this works. That being said, uh, some of us channels want to make entertainment. Commercials are part of the gig. Uh, marketing to you is part of the gig. It, it is, you know, it just is. It's part of survival. And, and But every day when I make content, I don't think, oh man, I hope this sells X amount of units, right? That's for the companies to worry about. My job, I hope when I'm making a video and I'd say job loosely, is to have fun and hopefully give you guys some entertainment and some, 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 some fun, right? We're talking about guitars. And what I've, so what I want to say is Al John gets that. He gets that that's first, that's the most important. 
and I appreciate that about him. So that being said, uh, I told him that I would be totally open to review some Epiphones and some Kramers. I thought you guys would enjoy that. He said uh, he'll get back to me. So I would love to put my hands on at least three Epiphones and maybe one or two Kramers uh, and do videos uh, and talk about them. I think it's a product that I think you guys are interested in. I'm t- I'm definitely interested in. And Lincoln, uh, and maybe if Al John see this, he'll see you're talking about it too, and maybe that'll motivate them to to want to do do it. Um, and I lost my feet. <laughs> That's funny. Let me go back. That's weird. It kicked me out of the super. Oh, there you are. You, all the supers got kicked. Here we are. As we hit the two hour mark. Okay. We're going to be buttoning this up. So if you do a super chat as of right now, I'm not answering it. Cause unfortunately, uh, we, I can't get that far behind. Um, Okay, next one is from Fret Level Midnight again says, a la Robot Master Switch, Philip McKnight, have you ever heard of Chandler guitars? Oh, yeah, yeah, old school. Uh, they used to be based in San Francisco in the 70s, 80s. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, and d- yeah, well, you know what I remember most about Chandler guitars was, you know, you open Guitar World and they always had they always had that ad that was vertical in the corner. You know what I mean? It wasn't the big ad. And it was like Chandler guitars. And for me, it was confusing because I was like, Charvel, and it was Chandler. So yeah, there was Chandler guitars. I don't know much about them. That'd be a really interesting video. And I don't know if I've actually ever seen one in person. You know, I maybe seen one on Reverb and eBay, but never seen one in per- person. But I always confused them for a long time with Charvel guitars, you know, and then you realize like, like I always thought like for a long time, I'm talking about, you know, decades ago, I always thought like Jackson Charvel Chandler. <laughs> right because there's charvette and then there was charvette which is a subline of, of of charvel so it was like jackson charvel charvette chandler and i thought they were con- connected um and uh, i thought for a while did chandler do bodies like boogie bodies and all those guys too did they do bodies and necks as well or just guitars see i don't even remember so that's what i remember about them was that um so if you guys are interested, uh, some of you newer players interested in checking out something weird, check out Chandler Guitars. And uh, older players, just there we are. We, we, we reminisced, as you will. Tony's. Hey, Tony. Tony says, Phil, I did not buy a, any guitar or guitar-related accessories. Should I seek therapy? <laughs> Maybe just... Uh, just bed rest. Have a great weekend, Phil. Best hour of the week. This one, two hours. Uh, no, nothing wrong with you, man. Now, you know what's funny is uh, this is uh, it's tough right now to uh, justify purchases. I think that's I I um I needed tools this week and I must have took it took me two days. You ever do this, uh, Tony and you uh, some of you guys? You ever put stuff in a cart and then I don't know what it is. It's like it's not like there's I it's. It's not that I don't have the money to buy it. I just don't want to spend money. And so I bought, I had to buy a bunch of tools and stuff from Stu Mac. Uh, I had a 15% off coupon. And um, <laughs> and as you guys know, anyone who's bought from Stu Mac knows, man, that thing is like godsend, first of all, because I mean, 15% is legit. And Stu Mac for a while wasn't running any sales. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, I don't want to take credit for this. Uh, I'm pretty, when I say credit, I mean a viewer. I'm pretty sure a viewer of, a, of this channel got them to do discounts because what's weird is I had a viewer come up to me and say, how come Stu Mac doesn't run any sales? So I sent, um, Brock, the VP at, at Stu Mac saying, Hey, I have viewers saying they want sales. And he said, yeah, we, we haven't been doing those. And then all of a sudden I've been seeing more and more sales from Stu Mac. So I don't know, maybe it was from us. Maybe that's something we did. I hope, I hope so. So yeah, I, I bought stuff, but it, yeah, it took me two days. It sat in the cart for two days before I pulled the trigger. I just got an email today saying they shipped. 
So I have tools coming, more tools um, and stuff. Uh, Harrison says, happy Friday, Phil. I'm picking up a used custom 24 S2. So it's a Stephenville 2 in a few days. What do you think of the 8515S pickups versus the Big Brothers? Cheers. Uh, 8515S pickups, I like them. I don't love them. Uh, and um, uh, nothing wrong with them. I, I have them in uh, one of my S2s, and um, they're good. This uh, this being said, <laughs> uh, I have a uh, I have uh, in the uh, Somnium guitar... Uh, I'm doing the uh, PRS 5708s, 5909s, and the metal pickups, and then I'm going to do the 8515Ss, and I wish I could compare the 8515Ss to the 8515s. I just don't have an ability to do that. I think. I might actually. I might have a set of 8515s. That would be an interesting video. That would be something I think you guys would be curious to do if I can do that. Let me see if I can do that one. But I, uh, but the 8515Ss, I like them. So what I'm saying is, it's not that I like the 8515s more than the 8515Ss. I think my favorite PRS pickup, I'm letting the cat out of the bag, by the way, is the metal pickups. Uh, really shocked. Horrible name, metal. I was thinking the same thing you're probably thinking right now. Metal. Oh, I don't like high gain metal pickups. I don't know what it is. PRS doesn't, it's the weirdest name. Metal is not what I would describe to describe that pickup. So we will see, if you will. And is my screen? My screen won't move. Oh, there it is. It's because I leave these uh, screens open too long, the Super Chat ones. Okay, Craig, uh, these are my last two questions. Craig says, hey, Phil, can you recommend a pickup like a Gibson 49, uh, for, sorry, 49, 498T, uh, but just a little brighter? I don't know. Uh, sadly enough, I'd love to recommend something. Uh, the 498T is a good pickup. I like it. I like the 57 Classic more. I can't tell you why. Uh, I just do. In Gibson pickups, I love Burst Buckers and 59. Or did I say 59 Classic? 57 Classic. I hope I said that right. 57. My favorite Gibson pickups right now and have been for a long time, the Burst Buckers and the 57 Classics. I don't know what that is. So uh, that's what I would recommend, but I'm. Uh, it's just a shot in the dark, man. There's no real logic to that. Um, I'm trying to get my hands on a bunch of Gibson pickups and do some comparisons and get more kind of data and kind of be able to be versed more than that. But it's a little tough. It's a little tough right now. First of all, uh, uh, you know, I reached out to Al John and he's forwarded to Gibson, but really right now it's, as you guys know, I mean, Gibson and all these guys were closed for a while. So if they can't do it, I'll just figure it out on my own as, uh, like all the videos I did with the pickups, I've been just doing it on my own. It's just, the problem is, is it's, it's a piecemeal because it costs a lot of money. You know what I mean? It's a, uh, when I did the, um, uh, uh, you know, you guys asked about doing Fishman. I did Fishman. It's just, there's no way it's tough because like the Fishman pickups were like 200 and I think 30 bucks. And then I made the video, the video made like 70 bucks. And then I sold the pickups to my friend for 150 bucks. So maybe I break even, you know what I mean? It gets a little tough to, to, to churn that out. So, uh, S Hodges, but by the way, so, you know, not complaining, uh, cause the thing is, like I said, because of super chats like this patrons, I mean, there's support coming in in all different ways. So I'm, I, I, it's not that I can't get it done. It's just, it's a slow moving train. Um, uh, S Hodges says Gibson and Fender did fine through the super strat era. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, if what I remember about Gibson and Fender 
if I remember, and again, you could be right. Again, you were, could be totally right. I'm just telling you what I think I remember. When I remember, because, and again, Superstrat era is a tough time because you might be thinking of like Superstrat eras to some might be the early 80s, mid 80s. To me, it was like the mid to late 80s because that's, you know, what I remember. But let's say it was the 80s as a whole, the Superstrat era. Uh, by the end of the 80s, Gibson and Fender were done. You know what I mean? Let, let's let's be very clear. Fender and Gibson were going to be bankrupt and done by the 90s. If it wasn't for grunge, Gibson and Fender were probably going to be out of the game for the most part. No, I don't not I don't mean closed. I mean just, you know, bankruptcy, reorganization, all kinds of problems. Um it was definitely and so you know, not to give grunge credit too cuz Slash definitely saved. I feel slash save Gibson in the late 80s. By the late 80s, I mean, you had, you know, everybody was buying Ibanez's, Kramer's, BC Rich's, uh, you know, Charvel's, Jackson's, you know, you name it, that was out there. That BC Rich's, that BC Rich right there. Um, by that time, and even BC Rich, it's tough because some of those companies were in trouble too in the late 80s too. But um, you get the idea. So yeah, it's possible. But man, I don't know. It was a, it was a horrible time. I think that's personally why, and in my opinion, I think Gibson bought Kramer and I think Fender bought Charvel Jackson in remembrance of when there was a time where those Superstrat brands were killing those guys. And I think they bought those brands as assurance to say, if that comes back, the trend comes back, they want to be no different than a record label going, okay, I'm going to sign some country acts and some metal acts and some rap acts. And no matter what, we'll probably have one of the things that are in trend. I think that was the logic at the time. So I think that's why they own those companies. So, all right, we did two hours, two hours, guys. I appreciate you guys hanging out. I can't go anymore. My voice is gone. Uh, and uh, and uh, I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me. We didn't get to talk about Justin's thing. This is next week. Has to be. All right. As always, I want to thank you guys for hanging out. Two-hour episode. Uh, thank you guys, everyone, who supported the channel by watching. Make sure you hit the thumbs up. Uh, you know, YouTube likes it. If you hit the thumbs up and you subscribe, uh, believe it or not, you actually, YouTube is rewarding channels. Now, thumbs down will actually apparently work too, but I'd rather not have those if I can help it. <laughs> I guess I don't care deep down, but I also care a little. All right. Uh anyways on that note thank you guys everyone hang out i think we hit a 800 and something people which is always awesome it's a crazy amount of guitar players to hang out i hope you guys all have a great weekend i have wine and cheese in my future so i'm gonna have a great weekend and uh until next week uh i'm gonna say uh thank you for your time and know your gear <laughs>